0: Chapter One of the Sorcery Club by Elliot O'Donnell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. For more information, and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter One How They First Heard of Atlantis. Rain is responsible for a great deal more than the mere growth of vegetables. It is a controller, if a somewhat capricious controller, of man's destiny. It was mainly, if not entirely, owing to rain that the French lost the battle of Agincourt, whilst, if I mistake not, Confucius alone knows how many victories have been snatched from the Chinese by the same factor. It was most certainly rain that drove Leon Hamar to take refuge in a second-hand bookshop, for so deep-rooted was his aversion to any literature, saving a financial gazette or the stock and shares column of a daily, that nothing would have induced him to get within touching distance of a book save the risk of a severe wedding. Now to his unutterable disgust he found himself surrounded by the things he loathed books ancient very ancient judging by their bindings and modern histories biographies novels and magazines anything from ten dollars to five cents and all arrayed with most laudable tact according to their bulk and condition but hamar was neither to be tempted nor mollified he frowned at one and all alike and the colossal edition of miss somebody or others poems that by reason of its magnificent cover of crimson and gold occupied a most prominent position met with the same vindictive reception as the tattered and torn volumes of whittier stowed away in an obscure corner backing still further into the entrance of the store for a better protection from the rain which, now falling heavier and heavier, was blown in by the wind, Hamar collided with a stand of books, with the result that one of them fell with a loud bang on the pavement. A man, evidently the owner of the store and unmistakably a Jew, instantly appeared. Picking up the book and wiping it with a dirty handkerchief, he thrust it at Hamar see he said you have damaged this property of mine you must either buy it or give me adequate compensation what hamar cried compensation for such rubbish as that why all your books together are not worth five dollars even i've seen twice as many sold at a sale for half that amount you can't jew me the two men eyed each other quizzically perhaps the owner of the store observed slowly perhaps some of your ancestors were once yiddish in which case there ought to be a bond of sympathy between us you may have that book for a nickel what no your cheeks are hollow your fingers thin a nickel is too much for you i will take your chain in exchange and leave me the watch hamar retorted with a grim smile you are a philanthropist not a storekeeper i should leave you nothing jew laughed there's no watch there see and he pointed to the concave surface of the watch pocket i noticed its absence at once it's been keeping you alive for some days past i'll give you four dollars on the chain and you may have the book the book's no good to me hamar grunted the money is here hand me over the four dollars and you can have the chain "'It's eighteen carat gold and worth at least ten dollars.' "'Then why not take it to someone who will give you ten dollars?' sneered the Jew. "'Because you know better. You're no greenhorn. That chain is fifteen carat at the most, and there's not a man in this city who would give you more than four dollars for it.' "'Very well, then,' Hamar said sulkily. "'I agree. No, the money first. The Jew dived deep down into his trouser pocket, and, after foraging about for some seconds, produced a handful of greasy coins, out of which he carefully selected the sum named. Hamar, who had been watching him greedily, grabbed the coins, bit them with his teeth, and rang them on the counter. With an air of relief he then slipped his watch-chain into the outstretched palm before him, remarked upon the fact that the rain had suddenly ceased, and prepared to take his departure. "'Here's the book,' the Jew ejaculated, whilst his face became suffused with a smirk. "'Don't go without it. Now there's no knowing but what we may not have further dealings with one another. I'm a money-lender. I've a place downstairs. I take all sorts of things, all sorts of things. On the strict QT, mind. Sub-es in another moment hamar found himself standing on the wet pavement nursing the four dollars in his waistcoat pocket with one hand and mechanically clutching the despised volume with the other had he ever acted upon impulse he would most certainly have hurled the book into the gutter but on second thoughts he came to the conclusion that it would be better to dispose of it less obtrusively it was now evening and having tasted nothing since midday He realized, for at least the hundredth time that week, that he was hungry. The touch of the dollars, however, only made him smile. He could eat his full for twenty-five cents, and yet live well for another four days. And, besides, he still had a tie-pin and a fur coat. He might get a dollar on the one, and two, if not two and a half on the other, which would carry him through till the end of the week when something else might turn up something which would not involve too hard work and would just keep him clear of jail he turned sharply down montgomery street crossed kearney street and slipped noiselessly through the side doorway of a restaurant in a suspicious-looking alley not a hundred yards distant from the gorgeously illuminated palace hotel here within five minutes he was served with as good a meal as one could get in san francisco for the money and if the table-linen was not as clean as it might have been, the food was not a whit the less excellent for that. At least so Hamar thought, and it was not until there was nothing left to eat that he left off eating. When he thought no one was looking in his direction, he popped the despised book under his chair and rose to go. Before he had gone ten yards, however, one of the waiters came running after him. "'Hi, sir! Stop, sir!' the fellow cried you've left something behind and in spite of hamar's denials the officious menial persisted the book was his in the end hamar was obliged to submit he took the book and rewarded the waiter with curses hamar next tried to dispose of it down the area of a chinese laundry but a policeman saw him and he only escaped being taken up on suspicion by parting with a dollar this was the climax he did not dare make any further attempt to dispose of the book but with bitter hatred in his heart tucked it savagely under his arm and made direct for his room in one hundred fifteenth street to his annoyance for under the circumstances he preferred to be alone he found two men sitting in front of his empty hearth they were matt kelson and ed curtis both of whom had been his colleagues at Meidler, Meidler, and Company, in Sacramento Street, and liked himself had been thrown out of work when the firm had smashed. Since that affair, Hamar had studiously avoided them. It was true he had once been as friendly with them as he deemed it politic to be friendly with anyone, but now they were out of employment and in danger of starvation. That made all the difference." he did not believe in poverty encouraging poverty any more than he believed in charity among beggars he had nothing to share with them not even a thought and resolving to get rid of his quondam friends as soon as possible he confined his welcome to a frown hullo what's the matter kelson exclaimed when a man frowns like that it usually means he is crossed in love or has an empty stomach which amounts to the same thing curtis interposed come let the sun loose leon we've good news for you haven't we matt kelson nodded what is it then hamar grunted have you both got cancer no we've come to borrow from you and you've come to the wrong shop i'm about done and unless something turns up mighty quick i shall clear out for good "'I don't count on being a ghost, nor yet an angel,' Hamar said. "'When we've done here, I reckon we've done altogether." "'I shouldn't have thought suicide was in your line,' Curtis remarked. "'More mats. I should have credited you with something more original.' "'Original?' Hamar snarled. "'I defy any man to be original when he hasn't a an scent and his stomach contains nothing but air. Give me money, give me food, then perhaps I'll be original.' you don't mean to say you're cleared out of grub kelson and curtis cried in chorus we've come to you as our last hope we've neither of us tasted anything since yesterday then you'll taste nothing again to-day at least as far as i'm concerned hamar jeered i tell you i'm broke haven't as much as a crumb in the room and i've pawned everything save the clothes you see me in and yet you can buy books unless-unless you stole it curtis said eyeing with suspicion the volume hamar had thrown on the table buy it not much hamar cried quickly it's one i've had all my life belonged to my grandfather i took it with me tonight to see what i could raise on it and no one would have it i should guess not kelson said drawing it towards him why it's got a new label inside s yes, I know him. He's slick even for a Jew. This looks as if it belonged to your grandfather, Leon. If I'm not real mistaken, you bought the book tonight. There's something in it you thought you could make capital off of. Trust you for that. Now I wonder what it was. You're welcome to see, Hamar sneered. Perhaps you'd like some water. Water? Why water? "'Well, instead of tea or whiskey to help to digest the book. "'Besides, it's the only thing I have to offer you.' "'Look here, Leon,' Curtis interrupted. "'What's the good of behaving like this? "'We're all in the same boat, starving, desperate. "'So let us lay our heads together and see if we can't think of something some way out of it.' "'A burglary company limited, for instance,' Hamar sneered no i'm not having any i've neither tools nor experience the san francisco police handle one roughly so i'm told and hard labour isn't to my liking there are other things besides burglary curtis said in tones of annoyance we might work a fake if i work anything of that sort hamar said hastily i work alone think of something else i tell you matt and i are pretty well desperate curtis cried "'And if we don't think of something soon, we shan't be able to think at all. "'We've tried our level best to get work. "'We've answered every likely and unlikely advertisement in the papers, "'and all to no purpose. "'So if Providence won't help us, we must help ourselves. "'Robbery, burglary, fakes, anything short of murder, "'it's all the same to us now. "'We're tired of starving, dead sick of it. "'We would do anything, sell our very souls for a meal.' "'My God, I never imagined how terrible it is to feel so hungry. "'You appear to be interested, Matt. "'What is it?' "'Why, look here, you fellows,' Kelson said slowly. "'This book is all about a place called Atlantis "'that is said to have existed in the Atlantic Ocean "'between America and Ireland, "'and to have been deluged by an earthquake owing to the wickedness of its inhabitants. "'They practised sorcery.' practiced foolery hamar said it's tosh all tosh wickedness is only a matter of climate and there's no such thing as sorcery so i thought kelson replied but i'm not so sure now the author of this book writes darned sensibly and is apparently at no loss for corroborative testimony he is a professor too see thomas henry maitland at one time professor of english at the university of basel in switzerland there's an asterisk against his name and a footnote in very old-fashioned handwriting the s's are all f's and half the letters capitals listen thomas maitland despite the remonstrances of his friends visited spain by order of the holy inquisition he was arrested may five sixteen ninety three On a charge of practicing sorcery and burned alive at the auto de fe in the grand market square madrid having in the interim been subjected to such tortures as only the subtle brains of the hellish inquisitors could devise on receipt of a message from him delivered in his supernatural body we attended his execution and can readily testify that he suffered no pain although the torments endured by those around him were pitiable to behold signed george richard poole physician and robert james fox merchant citizens of boston massachusetts august one sixteen ninety three rat hamar said savagely don't waste time reading such bunkum it may be bunkum but if it takes away his mind from his stomach let him go on curtis interposed it's very obvious you haven't arrived at our pitch of starvation yet leon or you would welcome anything that would make you forget it even for a moment let's hear some more matt go on tell us something how to make coyotes out of paraffin paint or convert a sunday pair of pants into a glistening harem skirt anything that won't remind us of food thus encouraged kelson slowly turned over the pages of the book i see it was printed and published for I presume that means by, A. Bettsworth and J. Batley in Paternoster Row, London, England, in 1690. Basel, London, Boston, Madrid. The author seems to have had wandering on the brain. By the bye, Leon, with your features you could easily work off a fake as the wandering Jew. There's money in it. People will swallow anything in that line now i don't see how it would profit you anyhow hamar snarled leave my features alone and go on with your reading kelson chuckled here was one way at least in which he could occasionally get even with hamar hamar's features were yiddish and the yids were none too popular in california oh all right he said if the subject is so painful i'll try and avoid it in the future but it's odd how some things for instance murder and noses will out let me see what have we here discovery of ancient books manuscripts etc relating to atlantis apparently thomas maitland when shipwrecked on an island called Inisturk, off mayo in ireland found a wooden chest of rare workmanship he had seen he says similar ones in egypt and yucatan containing some very ancient books curiously bound and some vellum manuscripts which after an infinite amount of labour he managed to translate the books he says were standard histories biographies and scientific works on occultism all published in banchichesi the capital of atlantis and the manuscripts he affirms had been transcribed by one colmenes who believed himself to be the only survivor of a tremendous submarine earthquake that had destroyed the whole of Atlantis. The manuscripts included a diary of the events leading up to the catastrophe, even to the meals. How about this? Sunrise on the day of Thotternenolge, in the month of Finra, breakfasted on corn-sop fish, Simona corresponding to salmon, fruit, and much sweet milk. For God's sake, don't, Curtis groaned. Skip over that part. The very mention of grub makes the gnawing pain in my stomach ten times worse. You're different to me, then. Hamar grinned. I love to think of it. My word, what wouldn't I give to be in Saddler's now? Roast beef done to a turn, eh? As only Saddler knows how. Potatoes, nice and brown and crisp. Horse radish, greens, boiled celery, pudding under the meat, beer. What going? Curtis had risen from the table with his fingers crammed in his ears. "'There's a fat splice of the devil in you tonight, Leon,' he panted. "'I've had enough of it. I'm off. Come on, Matt. If you want us, you know where to find us. Only if we don't get something to eat, soon you'll find us dead.'" End of chapter 1 Read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California